I've developed mild symptoms of the coronavirus, that's to say a temperature and a, a persistent cough. And on the advice of the chief medical officer, I've taken a test that has come out positive. From Pacifica Radio, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. Elsewhere in California on KFOI Red Bluff Redding, KKRN Round Mountain, KGOE Eureka. In Oregon on KYAQ on the Central Coast, KSO in Cottage Grove, KEPW Eugene. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, WLRI, Maui, Hawaii, KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio, WGRN. Palinville, New York, WLPP. Grand Rapids, Michigan, WPRR. New Orleans, Louisiana, WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico, KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire, WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas, KPSQ, Seattle, Washington, KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin, WADR, Minneapolis, St. Paul, AM 950, KTNF, and coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing the Globe five days a week, usually hosted by Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. But today, you got me again. I'm Nicole Sandler, host of The Nicole Sandler Show. I'm based at nicolesandler.com. And I'm your trusty guest host here at the broadcast when Brad and Desi asked me nicely. Today, frankly, I really didn't want to do this show because, you know, we're all in a weird place. A global pandemic? Just when we thought that things couldn't get any worse, really, we thought we had hit rock bottom. Just last night, I was saying to my husband, it feels like this is a nightmare, that I'm in some horrible dystopian dream that I'm going to awaken from, and it's all going to be a nightmare. I fell asleep on November 5th, 2016, and all of it, Donald Trump through the coronavirus, didn't really happen. But then I pinched myself and it hurts. And seriously, we were at the point where we thought things just couldn't possibly get any worse. And then the coronavirus COVID-19 was born. This is some cruel joke that the universe is playing on us, right? Right? And to make matters worse, we live in the only civilized nation in the developed world that has a for-profit health insurance system. Think about it. We have this horrific, highly communicable disease for which there's no vaccine and there's no cure, and there's a very high mortality rate. And we have 30 million Americans who are uninsured, 60 million Americans who are underinsured, and so we have new legislation that says, hey, the testing will be free for everyone. But if you get tested and you're positive for COVID-19, well, then you're on your own. And the treatment and the care could cost upwards of $100,000. And then what do you do? So now we're all just stuck at home trying to entertain ourselves. So today we're going to do a little of both. We're going to learn about the inequities in our healthcare system. We're going to speak with Wendell Potter, who I got to know uh, probably 12 to 14 years ago as the fight progressed over the Affordable Care Act. He was an insurance industry whistleblower. He was the insurance industry whistleblower. You'll you'll hear the whole story when we speak in just a few minutes. And 10 years ago, as Congress was writing the bill that became the Affordable Care Act and debating it and voting on it and rewriting it, uh, Wendell Potter was on the air with me many times during those years. And so now we look back on it as we just passed the 10-year anniversary of the passage of the Affordable Care Act. And here we are 10 years later without much to show for it. So we'll chat with Wendell Potter in a few minutes. And then, because we're all stuck at home, one thing that I've discovered is just how creative people are. 
So we're going to draw on that creativity. I have discovered some very talented people having fun with music and their computers, and they've done some of the most amazing COVID-related song parodies. And I thought we could all use some laughter in our lives, especially now. So we'll take care of the news, we'll talk with Wendell Potter, and we'll share some laughter courtesy of the shut-ins, <laughs> the creative shut-ins around the world. In fact, we'll start right now with an old friend of mine. I spent a good 15 years in Los Angeles, and while I was out there doing radio, I forged a friendship with Bill Moomy. Now, if the name sounds familiar, it should, because we grew up with Bill Moomy. He was Will Robinson on Lost in Space. And he was that little boy on the Twilight Zone in a number of episodes. He wished bad people to the cornfields. And he got to speak with his dead grandmother on the phone. You know Bill Moomy. Well, you may not know this, but he's an accomplished musician. He's a brilliant singer-songwriter. And he wrote this song to commemorate our new shared experience of social distancing. So take it away, Bill Moomy, on the broadcast. Well, hello people, what a crazy scene Here we all are in quarantine Let's not go crazy, let's do what's best Try taking deep breaths, get lots of rest Cause we're social distancing now but someday soon, I hope, we'll be dancing together again. In the meantime, wash with lots of soap. Don't be cranky, don't freak out. Cough into a hanky, try not to pout. Cause we're social distancing now. But someday soon, I hope, we'll be dancing together again. Meanwhile, wash with lots of soap. Catch up on reading, watch TV, maybe Lost in Space, featuring me. Listen to some music. Yoga's good, stay hydrated like you always should, because we're social distancing now. But someday soon, I hope, we'll be dancing together again. Meanwhile, wash with lots of soap. One of these weeks, months or days, things will go back to normal crazy ways. Then something new will come along and we'll do it all again. <laughs> That's Bill Moomy and his song about social distancing here on the broadcast. All right, um, let's take a quick time out. We'll come back on the other side with a look at the news. There's a lot going on. So we've got a lot of territory to cover. And also coming up, a conversation with health insurance industry whistleblower Wendell Potter. And more fun, musical fun. I'm Nicole Sandler, your guest host on the broadcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. The Bradcast survives thanks to you and your support. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us continue to do over your public airwaves what we try to do five days a week. That's bradblog.com slash donate and thank you. Democrats, Republicans, independents, everyone Wash your hands, stay inside, make sure the world is sanitized Shut it down, lock your doors, it's cancel culture, getting bored Nothing left for us to do but sit at home and watch the news Read and spread the virus 
Cause we were all at home, we had nowhere to go We didn't spread the virus We all just stayed at home, kept playing on our phone Made it to the grocery store, no toilet paper anymore I guess that's what we need the most, I don't know why, that's kinda gross Frozen pizza, lunchables, shopping baskets, looking full Stocking up on all the seeds, I'll save the world by gardening We didn't spread the virus, cause we were all at home, we had nowhere to go Cause we were all at home just playing on our phones No more South by Southwest, no more Disneyland I guess No more basketball events, all eyes on the president Facebook full of scientists, amazing I did not know this All the posts and all the memes and government conspiracies We didn't spread the virus Cause we were all at home, we had nowhere to go We all just stayed at home, kept playing on our phones, our phones at home, alone, at home on all our phones. <laughs> Go wash your hands. That's an artist who goes by the name of Five Times August, who I found online. One of many very creative people who's stuck at home doing the social distancing thing getting creative with a song parody dealing with the coronavirus. I'm Nicole Sandler, your guest host today on the broadcast. We're sprinkling in some of these wonderful parody songs that I found online to lighten the load a little bit as we all shelter in place, trying to ride out the pandemic, as it were. So let's get to the news of the day, shall we? Because there's a lot going on. Well, It's done. On Wednesday, the Senate passed a $2.2 trillion coronavirus relief bill. D.C. was hoping the House would pass it by unanimous consent on Friday. Well, the day got off to a rocky start as Kentucky Republican Thomas Massey tweeted that he'd force a recorded vote, which would require a quorum of members to be present. That caused representatives scattered around the country to quickly return to the Capitol. In the end, leadership from both parties joined together to overcome Massey's efforts. And this happened. Mr. Speaker, I yield back the balance of my time. Gentlemen, yields back the balance of his time. All time for debate has expired. Pursuant to House Resolution 911, the previous question is ordered on the motion. The question is on adoption of the motion. Those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed say no. No. The ayes have it. Mr. Speaker. For what purposes, gentlemen, uh, seek recognition? Mr. Speaker, I came here to make sure our republic doesn't die by unanimous consent in an empty chamber, and I request a recorded vote. A recorded vote is requested. Those favoring a recorded vote will rise and remain standing until counted. An insufficient number having risen, a recorded vote is refused. Mr. Speaker. Is the gentleman recognized? I object on the basis that a quorum is not present and make a point of order that a quorum is not present. The chair will count for a quorum. Counted for a quorum. A quorum is present. The motion is adopted. Without objection, a motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. Pursuant to Section 7B of House Resolution 891, the House stands adjourned until 3 p.m. on Tuesday, March 31st, 2020. So it passed by voice vote. The bill dubbed the CARES Act went to the president's desk where Donald Trump signed it Friday afternoon. And now we await further instructions on how we can file for relief. Stay tuned. So, hey, we're number one. Yep. The number of coronavirus cases in the United States rose on Thursday to over 85,000. That's more than any other country. As of Friday morning, the death toll in the U.S. stood at nearly 1,300. About a quarter of the United States' infections and deaths have been in New York City, while the virus appears to be spreading fastest in the New Orleans area. 
Italy remains the country with the highest death toll, now at over 9,135. That number jumped by 919 on Friday alone in the largest single-day death toll reported by any country thus far. Italy has over 80,589 confirmed infections, nearly as many as China where the outbreak began. Globally, there are now more than half a million confirmed infections and more than 21,000 deaths. Nearly a third of the world's population is in lockdown to slow the virus's spread. Countries around the world are bracing for the next wave of the crisis. Ethiopia has released 4,000 prisoners to prevent the spread. Doctors in Venezuela, which has been largely spared so far, are preparing for the worst because of the country's vulnerable economic and political state. And China is closing its borders to most foreigners as they attempt to recover from the outbreak and prevent a second one from starting. And on Friday, we awoke to breaking news from the U.K., where Prime Minister Boris Johnson took to Twitter to make an important announcement. I've developed mild symptoms of the coronavirus, that's to say a temperature and a, a persistent cough. And on the advice of the chief medical officer, I've taken a test that has come out positive. So I am working from home. I'm self-isolating. And that's entirely the right thing to do. Uh, but be in no doubt that I can continue, uh, thanks to the wizardry of modern technology, to communicate with all my top team to lead the national fight back against coronavirus. And I want to thank everybody who's involved. I want to thank, but of course, above all, our amazing NHS. That makes Boris Johnson the first major world leader to contract the illness that has sparked a global pandemic. Oh, and the UK's health secretary, Matt Hancock, tested positive too. Nearly 3.3 million Americans filed new applications for unemployment benefits last week as businesses nationwide shut down or limited their operations to help slow the spread of the COVID-19 coronavirus. The figure smashed the old record for weekly initial jobless claims of 695,000, which was set back in 1982. Two weeks ago, only 282,000 Americans filed for their first week of unemployment benefits. In an interview Thursday morning, shortly before the release of the Labor Department's report, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said the United States, quote, may well be in a recession already, but argued that there's nothing fundamentally wrong with our economy, so there could be a, quote, good rebound when the COVID-19 coronavirus spread is under control. All righty then. By the way, after rallying for two days on Wednesday and Thursday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average on Friday closed down 915 points, or 4%. From the disinformation files, Donald Trump told U.S. governors in a letter Thursday that his administration would be releasing new guidelines on, quote, maintaining, increasing, or relaxing social distancing and other mitigation measures for containing the coronavirus. Trump said his administration is gathering data to help set guidelines categorizing counties as high risk, medium risk, or low risk for COVID-19 outbreaks in the next phase of the response. Trump said this week he wanted to adjust his initial 15-day social distancing guidelines to allow much of the shuttered economy to reopen by April 12th. The original social distancing period reaches its 15th day on Monday. Trump's comments at Thursday's Coronavirus Task Force press briefing were even more unhinged than usual. Rather than assault your ears with his voice, here's CNN's Daniel Dale explaining some of the nonsense Trump was spewing. This was a barrage of false claims, some of which we hear at his campaign rallies, like the claim that the U.S. has never before received 10 cents in tariff revenue from tariffs on China. But even if we just look at the coronavirus-related stuff, this was a lot of stuff that was not true. For example, Trump denounced what he called fake news and corrupt news over a story about Washington Governor Jay Inslee today telling Trump, oh, we don't need a backup on medical supplies, we need Tom Brady. And Trump said that was fake news and corrupt news, and then he confirmed the story. He said Inslee did say that, but he said it in a positive way. But Trump also claimed repeatedly that everybody wants to go back to work. People want things reopened fast. 
I think when Trump says everybody and doesn't cite any data, we have to look at the data. The polling data we've seen so far shows that there is strong, very large majority support for closures, for school closures, restaurant closures, uh, sporting event closures. And so Trump's claim that everybody wants to very quickly go back is not necessarily supported by what we're actually seeing on the ground. Trump also said the restaurant in, of the restaurant industry, he said all restaurants will be back, maybe under different ownership. That is not what we're hearing from the restaurant industry. They say that a prolonged closure could be catastrophic for them. So many of the things Trump said are just not grounded in reality here. Thankfully, Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institutes of Health also spoke and was able to counter some of Trump's lies. But the Washington Post is reporting that a smear campaign against the doctor is taking root online and among some of Trump's right-wing media supporters, laying the groundwork for Trump to cast aside the experts on his own coronavirus task force. Be prepared. And on Thursday night, Trump continued to distance himself from the experts on every front of the fight against the coronavirus. The White House had been preparing to reveal on Wednesday a joint venture between General Motors and Ventec Life Systems on production of up to 80,000 desperately needed ventilators when word suddenly came down that the announcement was off. The decision to cancel that announcement reportedly came after FEMA said it needed more time to assess whether the $1 billion price tag was prohibitive. And sure enough, calling into Sean Hannity's Fox television show Thursday night, Donald Trump said, But I have a feeling that uh, a lot of the numbers that are being said in some areas are just bigger than they're going to be. I don't believe you need 40,000 or 30,000 ventilators. You know, you go into major hospitals sometimes, they'll have two ventilators. And now all of a sudden they're saying, can we order 30,000 ventilators? But... As is often the case with Trump, he changed direction on Friday, tweeting angrily at GM about them not producing the ventilators. And he went back and forth with a number of tweets until finally, late Friday afternoon, Trump finally used the Defense Production Act to compel General Motors to produce ventilators to combat the coronavirus, this after days of hesitating to use the powers in the law. Now, on top of the coronavirus, we have whiplash, too. All right, that's enough news for now. As we're all sheltering at home, we're looking for things to entertain us. There's all kinds of stuff out there. There's a new 17-minute-long Bob Dylan song that he just released via Twitter. That's about the assassination of JFK. <laughs> the internet's wonderful, isn't it? The Montreux Jazz Festival just released a bunch of full sets from artists because, well, their festival this year had to be postponed. They're all free. There's all kinds of stuff. But what I'm really enjoying are these song parodies that very creative people all over the world are writing, recording, producing, and posting. So I thought I would share some of those with you today. Like this one. There's a group who's been doing these parodies for not very long. Uh, in fact, they started just a, a, about a month or two ago with a great parody of the song American Pie by Don McLean. And the, it's the Founding Fathers Sing, that's what they call themselves. And the animation on the video itself is wonderful. Now, obviously, the broadcast is a radio show. But here's what I'm going to do for you. To give you a little extra something today, I invite you to visit bradblog.com where the show is posted, and I will embed the videos of the songs that I play on today's show so you could see the extra added element. So this is one from that same group, Founders Sing. And this time it's not the Founding Fathers singing, it's the Beatles with some good coronavirus advice. Take it away, boys. Oh, yeah. Touch that something. I think you understand. Now I need a scrubbing. I gotta wash my hands. Next to me, 
Watch where those droplets land To freeze this disease I gotta wash my hands I gotta wash my hands I gotta wash my hands Cause if I catch it I'll feel crappy inside Founders Sing. You can find them on YouTube, certainly under Founders Sing, with I Gotta Wash My Hands. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a fun edition of the broadcast. We're going to get serious in a little while. We've got Wendell Potter coming up to talk about why now, of all times, we really, really need Medicare for all. But I thought we'd sprinkle in some fun and laughter because, as they say, laughter is the best medicine. So we'll do one more before we take a break. This is an artist that I found from South Africa who goes by the name of The Kiffness, the K-I-F-N-E-S-S. And in this instance, he's parodying Neil Diamond. Take it away, Kiff. Where it began Well, it began in Wuhan Eating a bat was probably wrong Seriously, man COVID-19 It's such a flippin' bummer That's why I wrote this flippin' song Touching elbow It's a silly greeting Cyril seriously Infecting me Infecting you I'm sitting at home Trying to self-quarantine New papers running kind of low So I go to Woolworths Where's all the toilet paper? Guess I'll be pooing with my bowl (laughs) I don't know what I was saying there Elbow Touching elbow Wash your hands Don't touch your face I'm touching you
or more It's not like I performed in front of a hundred people anyway Oh no 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 People don't wanna hear me Corona. <laughs> the Kiffness. Oh, creative people. That guy from South Africa. The internet makes the world a little bit smaller. And somehow it's comforting to know that we're all in this together. And I've even learned a new term for toilet paper. It's loo paper. Who knew? <laughs> Not me. I am Nicole Sandler, your guest host today on the broadcast. We'll take a very quick time out. We'll come back. We'll have some more of these wonderful parody songs as we somehow uh, try to get through this uh, global pandemic together. We'll also take a little time out from the fun and laughter for a conversation with the insurance industry whistleblower, Wendell Potter. As we just passed the 10th anniversary of the passage of the Affordable Care Act, with kind of very little to show for it, at a time when we really, really could use Medicare for all. That's coming up. Stick around. Again, I'm Nicole Sandler, your guest host today on the broadcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Joining us now is Vice President and Dance Captain of the Coronavirus Task Force, Mike Pence. Mike, give us your assessment of where we are right now with the coronavirus, which Donald Trump has recently started calling the Hillary flu, or in medical terminology, Obamatitis Nancyus Pelosis, or Kofifi 19. Uh, all of our experts tell us. And they advised the president as he endorsed these guidelines to avoid social gatherings of more than 10 people. Everyone should stay home. All of those recommendations uh, are part and parcel. I'm sorry, you want us to stay home? <laughs> oh, I, I wish that I could help you, sweetie, but my schedule is crazy right now. I've got Pilates after work. I've got brunch on Sunday. Oh, and... Next week is Passover, so I'm in Cancun for the annual Blacklight Underwear Foam Party. I, I already bought those tickets. What we're pleased to learn is being embraced by states and communities and millions of American families are what we believe is important for every American to significantly impact the spread of the coronavirus. I have always led such an active life. I'm a social butterfly and kind of a whore. But this COVID spread now is running rife. And my country needs me, so I won't be anymore. I will break the chain. I will social distance, though it sounds mundane. Though I'll be a grouch, my community now relies on me. Thank you for your efforts. I will save the human race by lying on my couch. I'll stay home from work for a million days. I will. 
pub and I'll eat by myself. I will shop online. Let my foam overlays. I will do my duty till they're charming on the shelf. I will crush the curve. I will social distance. I'll be here to serve while I'm watching Disney Plus. There are lives to save, so I must be brave. I'll defeat the enemy by binging this. Is us like my ancestors before me who were called to Vietnam? I sit home all day and FaceTime with my mom. And we need every American to step forward and recognize that if we act now, we can limit the spread of the coronavirus significantly and ultimately save lives. I will save the day while I clean my closets. I will skip the gym till this plague has passed from six feet away. I will socialist back up. Sorry. I will do home. limit the spread of the coronavirus significantly and ultimately save lives. We will crush the curve. We will turn the tide. But for now, just suck it up and stay the f*** inside. I'm so bored. That is the always brilliant and quite prolific Randy Rainbow, who's got a song for every occasion. Helps me get through these crazy times. I'm Nicole Sandler, your guest host today on the broadcast. Thank you for being here. I hope you're enjoying the humor because uh, you got to laugh. You know what the alternative is. So we're going to take a break from the comedy for a few minutes to talk about the reality that's facing all of us right now. And that is... Healthcare in the United States. It's not what it needs to be. So let me bring on today's guest. Last weekend marked the 10th anniversary of the passage of the Affordable Care Act into law. Wendell Potter, we got to know around the time when when the uh, Affordable Care Act was being written and debated and voted and debated and written and rewritten. And it went on for a couple of years. And during that time, well, we got to know Wendell Potter because he emerged as a whistleblower for the insurance industry, the health insurance industry. And he was our national hero, and, and he still is. Hey, Wendell Potter. Nicole, thank you so much. Appreciate that introduction, especially your kind. Well, thank you. And look, I think back 10 years ago, really 12 years ago, because that thing went on for almost two years, the writing and the various committees and the hearings and the pulling it together, despite, again, the propaganda we get from the right all the time telling us, oh, they passed this in the dead of night. And, and, and you know, that's nonsense that the Affordable Care Act was so cumbersome. And it was written in what, like five different committees and debated ad nauseum and hearings up the wazoo. And it went on for almost two years before it was finally passed. And I know because we talked about it pretty much every step of the way. So we did. It was it was it was quite uh, a lengthy, as you said, very, very lengthy process of countless hearings. I testified before several of them over many months. Yep. You're exactly right. Right. And you wrote about it. You wrote a couple of books about the, uh, and, and I apologize for not having the names in front of me, but uh, the, the one book that you wrote about the whole process, um, your first yeah. book was... It, it, it was, it's called, it was it's called, yeah, it's called Deadly Spin. The Deadly, Deadly Spin. It was, it was so hard to read because I, it was like reliving a trauma that we had gone through. But we came out, as, as we discussed at the time, with something that was better than nothing. It was a step in the right direction. 
then again, there were, you know, the problems inherent that we talked about at the time in which, you know, when the negotiations were going on, there was supposed to be a public option. And that's something that the Obama administration actually bargained away before they even sat down at the negotiating table, which is one of the reasons people like me have been so down on Obama throughout this whole process, because he gave it away before we had a chance to fight for it. It's so right. It was so frustrating. Uh, uh, and and we it became very apparent as time went on, as you said, that he did give it away, uh, even though publicly he would say it's a good thing, a good idea. Uh, I was in a uh, uh, in the House chamber during it was in September of 2009 when he was addressing a joint session of Congress. And I was invited to be a part of uh, part of the audience. And uh, he spoke favorably of the public option. But then in the next sentence, uh, he pretty much publicly gave it away. So this is, there, there may be other ways to get to where we need to be. So it was clear that he had abandoned the public option and it wasn't really real. Right, right. And now, you know, That's we fair. look back on all of it in retrospect, my daughter will be 21 in May. Oh, my God. Um, so she, you know, she doesn't remember what what the fight was. And she doesn't remember what it was like before Obamacare. Now, the only reason I've had health insurance over this last 10 years is because of the Affordable Care Act. I'm a cancer survivor. Even before I dealt with lung cancer three years ago, I was a melanoma survivor. There was no way under the old system, as you well know, Wendell, that I could have gotten health insurance. That was something that made me ineligible. Nobody would write a policy for me because I had a pre-existing condition. I was a cancer survivor. And so um, I, my now we're all home and social distancing and we've got a lot of time to watch TV. I played for my daughter, Michael Moore's movie, Sicko. And she was unaware of how ridiculous things were even bef- uh, worse than they are now which are not pretty good now um and things that they could cancel you over and deny you over she had no idea any of that happened you that that movie was one of the the impetus maybe for you um turning whistleblower right tell, tell them what happened what, what with that movie it, it was yeah and that movie came out in in June of 2007, hmm. and uh, I, uh, in my old job, I was still at Cigna, and one of my responsibilities was to help develop a PR strategy with my peers across other com- other companies and a trade association to figure out ways to discredit Michael Moore, to make people think that he was out of step with American opinion and thoughts, and that he was was advocating for something that was just not American. Uh, so we we had a PR strategy in place, and we even said that uh, depending on how it goes, we were willing to do what it what it would take to, as we put it, or our consultants put it, uh, push Michael Moore off a cliff. That wow. was not literal, but the whole idea was to really just go guns blazing at Michael Moore to to get people to uh, turn against him in this movie. Uh, I one of my responsibilities was to travel across the country from Philadelphia, where I worked and still live, to Sacramento to see the very first screening of the movie. Uh, and it was uh, uh, a special screening uh, sponsored by jointly by the California Nurses Association and Physicians for a National Health mm-hmm. Program, both of which advocate for a Medicare for all single payer type system. Right. I got a ticket. I was in the back of the theaters uh, taking notes. Uh, the reason I was doing that was because I needed to know exactly how Cigna was mentioned and portrayed in the movie. Uh, and as I watched it, I knew my job was going to be very difficult because it was clear he got it right. Uh, and I learned later that he spent a lot of time fact-checking every single thing. Uh, and, uh, uh, and it moved me. I knew that he had put together a very compelling and accurate portrayal of the U.S. healthcare system. And keep in mind, as you may remember, it wasn't about the the growing number of people who, who didn't have insurance. That's right. Uh, it was about those who had insurance. That's right. But can't get the care that they need. And it's only gotten worse in the years uh, since then. And it's, and it's continued to get worse since the passage of the Affordable Care Act, Nicole. Of course. And uh, so it got worse since the passage of the Affordable Care Act. And then came Donald Trump, who has spent the last three and a half years 
dismantling it piece by piece. And even to this day, people don't realize it because he, you know, he lies constantly and keeps talking about we're going to protect people with pre-existing conditions. That couldn't be further from the truth because they are still in court fighting to overturn the last remnants of the Affordable Care Act. And just so you know, if that happens... That's signing my death warrant because I am a cancer survivor. I am uninsurable yeah. under the old system, and and I won't be able to get health insurance. This is what he's pushing for. And now, Wendell Potter, as you know, as everybody in the planet knows, we have a new reality. We have a new novel coronavirus, something that just yeah. was born in December, maybe, January, that is multiplying and taking over and killing people and has the uh, potential to wreak true havoc on the planet, already is. Um, This is a time when, you know, you look at how other countries are dealing with this and getting tested and everything, and then you look at the United States of America, where we can't even get, if you're sick, if you have symptoms, you still can't go get tested. And if you do, there are questions as to who's going to pay for it and all this. This shouldn't even be... Uh, anything that anybody has to worry about right now, but it is a worry. If you get sick, great, you might you may be able to get the test paid for, but if you get sick, who's going to pay for your treatment if there is any treatment? Right. So that's exactly right, and that's something that you know, with a president uh, a week or so ago uh, had his, had one of his press conferences, and he said he had talked to leaders in the insurance industry, and they had agreed to waive deductibles for treating uh, for uh, <laughs> testing and and right. treatment. That was not true. The industry uh, immediately set the record straight that they were not going to be waiving deductibles nope. for uh, for treatment, and they still haven't agreed to do that. Chris Murphy, a senator from Connecticut, a few mm. days ago, called on me, sent letters to the CEOs of the biggest insurance companies, asking them to waive co-payments for treatment. Uh, he's gotten radio silence. Not a yep. not not a one to my knowledge, has gotten back to him to say that they would be willing to do that. Wow. And so great. So the, you know, the average person, the homeless person on the street may eventually be able to get tested. But what happens if that person tests positive? They don't have insurance. They're not going to be able to get treated. If ever there was something, you know, so giant letters spelled out, we need Medicare for all. This is it. Have, do you know, Wendell Potter, I know right now it, you've got, you know, a, a few hats in the air. Um, you're also the, the president or executive director of a group called Medicare for All Now at MedicareForAllNow.com, right. obviously fighting for that. Is, is this a fairly new development here? Yeah, I uh, launched that organization uh, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we obviously make the case that we need to move to Medicare for All. Uh, I lead another organization too, Nicole, called Business for Medicare right. for we All. Right, we spoke about that last uh, time. And yeah, and, and that's an organization because I began hearing from business leaders across the country that they are fed up with the current system. They know that they've been sold a bill of goods by the insurance industry. They realize that they can no longer, in many cases, afford to keep offering coverage to their their workers. And we've seen over the last twenty years a steady erosion in the employer based system of health insurance in this country. And now we're going to see uh, that uh, employer-based system get an enormous hit like it's never been before because hundreds of thousands of people people are being laid off right now. Along Mm -hmm. with it goes their health insurance. Uh, So uh, uh, not only are uh, regular Americans realizing that uh, this system that we have is antiquated and doesn't give us access to the care that we need at a price we can pay. Our businesses, our employers are on the same page. They've, they're fed up as well. Right, and, and they should be. I mean, this is something we've talked about for years. And now, it, 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 I guess it should be more clear to people who didn't get it before. All these people who are being laid off and furloughed along with their jobs, goes their health insurance. You know, that it it is unconscionable. It shouldn't be this way. I would think that especially Republicans would be in favor of a single-payer system where you pay your premiums by way of taxes and the government takes care of them, that it shouldn't be the responsibility of an employer to deal with anything having to do with their employees' health care. One should have nothing to do with the other, Right. 
They, they shouldn't. And in fact, that has been the position of a lot of Republicans in the past. Uh, who knows right now exactly where they would fall out on that. They've been uh, staunch uh, opponents of, of moving to Medicare for all. But when I was still working for Cigna, uh, there were Republican members of Congress who were saying that it just makes no sense for people to have their health care tied to the, where they work. Uh, there's a congressman uh, uh, from in California who notably championed the idea of, of disconnecting the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Americans' health insurance from, from the workplace. And think about this, too. As uh, more and more companies are having to, uh, many of them are facing bankruptcy because of this current crisis, and uh, they'll have a hard time recovering. And it's going to make it more difficult for even the biggest companies to get back on their feet because of the responsibility, the, the financial burden that they have to um, provide insurance to their workers. Right. And know this, too, Nicole. The insurance companies are saying that they think they're going to be just fine with this. That one reason is because hospitals are canceling uh, non-emergency, <laughs> non-essential uh, uh, procedures because right. they know they're going to be swamped with uh, uh, COVID-19 patients. And, uh, uh, and the insurance companies are saying that's just fine because a lot of the things that they were anticipating in terms of big medical expenses are they're just not going to materialize. And they are saying that if they do see an increase in their medical claims that they had to pay out, they'll just increase premiums next year. Oh they're already God. planning to do that. And meanwhile, uh, I don't. So they're planning to do that, but the average American is is you know they're all coming into my world now, where we're all going to have financial problems pretty soon because people yeah. are not getting their salaries anymore. A lot of them have been furloughed or completely laid off. Um, companies are not making money. I'm looking at the restaurant industry and how I wish I had extra money to, you know, pass around because I'd love to uh, patronize some of my local restaurants down here that are now doing delivery and curbside, curbside service to keep them yeah. going. Um, but, but you know, people who have money who are 401ks are seeing those numbers slashed. Um, how are we going to have more money to pay medical premiums when on top of that, you still have to pay co-pays and deductibles, we can't afford the affordable care that we supposedly get under Obamacare, and that could be wiped out by the end of the year, too. Oh, absolutely. We can't afford it. And, and as we know, looking back, uh, that bill was was inappropriately, inappropriately named. Yes. It did do some good, and you are living proof exactly. of that because you cannot be turned down. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, premiums continue to go up and out-of-pocket expenses continue That's to go right. up. Healthcare costs on the delivery side continue to go up because health insurance companies cannot control the cost of healthcare goods and services. So it, it, we have a system that is increasingly unaffordable for more and more people. Right. So, uh, you know, we are in the midst of a, of a, well, it is a pandemic. It is a global emergency. We have a president in the United States who doesn't seem to get the severity of it, or if he does, he's just trying to ignore it because all he cares about is the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And and, yeah. the, and the line coming out of this White House is that, um, you know, we can, we can spare a few million older people, just don't let the economy crash. Where are we? This doesn't sound like the United States of America that I grew up in. It, it, it doesn't. We... we have moved so far away from our notion that we're all in this together uh, and that we have some responsibility to make sure that, that we all are in one way or another taken care of when we, when we have a need, um, certainly for health care. Uh, and I think more and more people may become, uh, may wake up to realize that if someone uh, in, down the block or someone who is uh, 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 the cashier at the, the grocery store uh, uh, is infected, has, has a, a coronavirus, uh, that person might not have health insurance, right. might not be able to get the care, the treatment and the, the testing of the care that they need uh, and spreading the germ, spreading yeah, the virus. Exactly. Uh, so uh, that, that, that's why it makes no sense to think that we, uh, it's just our own individual responsibility we're, we are in this together, 
And uh, we, you know, isolation, self-isolation, self, you know, the, the distancing is something we all need to do. But we still have to have some human interactions. And uh, uh, that means that we're all exposed. Right. Right. No, I, I, I agree. And it's only going to get worse. Look, my, um, my, my stepson works at a hotel in Arizona. He's been furloughed. There's no, you know, and plus he works as a bartender. So he has a salary, but the bulk of his pay came from tips. He's not getting either one of them now. But if he Mm, does get unemployment, it'll only take care of the salary that he's losing, which is minimal. And he's not going to get reimbursed for the the extra, um, you know, income that he's losing every day. Plus his insurance, he was told they're going to continue it for two months. What happens after two months? If it's happening to him, it's happening to millions of other people. So not only are we going to come upon a time when more and more people are likely to get sick and get infected, but over that period of time, more and more people are going to be uninsured. We already have a big um, emergency in this country. It seems like it's going to be a catastrophe of unknown proportions. Oh, I think there's no doubt it's it's heading in that direction, and it's very, very frightening. Uh, and so many people are avoiding even getting testing tested, but uh, 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 people are going to avoid getting the care that they need mm-hmm. because they just simply don't have the money to pay for, for treatment, uh, even if they have insurance because of the high deductibles that most of us are in now. Um, and, and, and it's important to note, that we're alone in the world, in the developed world, and having a system like this. Uh, yes, uh, other countries are, are uh, dealing with this crisis as well, too. But we have this particular problem of having almost 30 million people in this country who don't have insurance, another 60 million who are underinsured, who don't have enough money in the bank to cover their out-of-pocket expenses, even with insurance, to get the care that they need. So we are especially vulnerable. So what what should we be doing? I mean, it sh- other than uh, I was going to say we should all be taking to the streets, but we can't do that because we got to stand six feet apart. How do we fight this? Other than you know screaming to Bernie Sanders, please stay in the race because he's the only one talking sensibly about health care in this country. Well, we, exactly, and uh, uh, and and that's important. Uh, we need to. Uh, sometimes we 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 don't think that it makes a difference for us to call or write a member of Congress uh, mm. or a senator uh, uh, to write letters to the editor, to uh, take to social media. All of that is so important. Um, I, I, as you undoubtedly know, and, and uh, it, the, the majority of Americans support Medicare for all, certainly yep. Democrats. We saw that in every one of, every one of the primaries and caucuses that have been held so far. 50% and in many cases up to 70%, every one of them at least half of those who voted said they support Medicare for all. Even those that voted, many of them for Joe Biden or yep. Pete Buttigieg yeah. or uh, 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 Amy Klobuchar, a lot of them support this policy. Um, so we just need to be more vocal. Uh, and uh, uh, while we can't take to the streets, like you said, right now, someday we will. Uh, and I think that we will see as this crisis begins to abate, and let's hope that it does sooner rather than later, that uh, so many American families are going to be financially stressed uh, more than they were at the beginning. And, uh, uh, and, and it'll just show just how insecure, how uh, uh, stupid and irrational it is for us to have a system like this. Without a doubt. Um, Wendell Potter, one last question for you. Do you feel confident that that Congress is dealing with the, the greater issue? I know they're doing, you know, bailouts and, and relief and these things, but they're not dealing with the issue of who's going to pay for treating all these what was likely to be many millions of very, very sick people. You're exactly right. I have uh, uh, am looking at what what they're you know, what's what's been passed by the Senate, mm-hmm. uh, what that looks like. Uh, I'm not seeing anything that is helping individuals uh, to be able to pay for their treatment. Yes, a lot of people will be getting apparently checks from the government. That's wonderful. But uh, it shouldn't be that a lot of folks will have to spend that money uh, sending it uh, to insurance companies or, or covering the deductibles. Well, what sense does that make? 
We got we got a, a long, long road ahead of us, and and we have no idea where it's going to wind up. This is all uncharted territory, and I mean, the one thing we can say, although we're not physically together, we are all in this together. So, Wendell, I'm so glad yeah. you're on our side. Wendell Potter, um, do check out MedicareForAllNow.com and the Business Medicare Group. What is the yeah, website? Yeah, bu- BusinessForMedicareForAll.org and Medi- MedicareForAllNow.org. And also follow me on Twitter, yes. uh, at Wendell Potter. Yep. Thank you, Nicole. Wendell Potter. He truly is an American hero. And with that, we come to the end of another edition of The Bradcast. I'm Nicole Sandler. Check out my show anytime at NicoleSandler.com. Until next time, for Brad and Desi, I sincerely wish us all good luck, world.